Hey everyone, welcome to the Hometown Fresh podcast, the show that talks all things grocery, customer service, career development, and more. I'm Gracie, social media coordinator for Harps Food Stores, and today we'll be hearing from our director of training and leadership development, Bob Arthur, as well as special guest, Kim Eskew, our very own CEO. Bob is in charge of our Harps Learning You program here at the company and provides associates and listeners alike with the skills they need to be successful not only in the business world, but in life. Take it away, Bob. Thank you, Gracie. We're excited to be here for our first uh, podcast as far as the Harps Learning You channel. Just want to say thank you to you. I mean, you you had a great vision for this, and, and many of us jumped on board with that and think this is going to be a great thing for our company. You know, we in our channel, what we'll do is every month we'll have a theme that will be around one of the 10 core character competencies that we do within our company. And this month is decisive leadership. Now, decisive leadership is, is rooted in the character competency called make things happen. So I, I can't think of anybody better to uh, start our, you know, Harps Learning You podcast than to have our own CEO, Kim Eskew, come and share with us about his decision-making process. And I know he makes big decisions for us and, uh, and just for us to be able to learn and gain from uh, what you do, Kim, is going to be valuable. So welcome. We're glad that you're here, and we just look forward to what you have to say today. Well, thanks, Bob, and and I'm happy to have the opportunity, uh, hopefully, to reach you know lots of our folks mm-hmm. who uh, may think I throw a dart on a dartboard in order to make decisions, <laughs> and and sometimes it may feel that way, but but I really try to be as careful as possible in the decisions uh, that I make because, you know, many times there's a lot riding on yeah. on those decisions. The very fact that I knew I was going to be doing this podcast, you know, caused me to jot down in uh, some fashion the process that I do go through. And, you know, sometimes we just do it naturally, not knowing that, well, these are the steps that I really mm-hmm. took in order to arrive at my decision. And so there was some value in me doing that, I believe. But the first thing that I do is in any decision, just about any decision, there are some minor ones that I probably don't do this, but I consult with other people. And uh, I do that to get lots of different insights to a person that's up for a promotion. It could be a decision about whether to buy a store or not buy a store. Uh, You know, lots of decisions such as that. I I don't make them in a silo all by myself. You know, I I really believe in getting a lot of input uh, so that hopefully I consider everything uh, before making that decision. And uh, I certainly have people that I trust, uh, that I believe have valuable insight that I go to on certain types of decisions, maybe not all of them, but on certain types of decisions that I, I, I go to them. And, uh, you know, I've come to you before when it's, yes. when it's been time to, to promote someone and I've gotten your input into, uh, into that person and, and the leadership classes and how they did and are they right. Well, how they participated and so forth. And that's the kind of information gathering that I do. Uh, you know, in, in some cases, you may have two or three ways you can go. And it's hard to know what the correct way is. But you, you kind of jot down and say, okay, we can either do this or we can do that. And then you kind of consider what are going to be the results. If I go down that road, what are the pluses and minuses of making that decision 
over perhaps the other decision. And then ultimately, you choose which one that you're going to take, and then you execute that choice. And I'd like to say that every decision that I've made has just worked out exactly the way that I hoped it would. But the truth is, that's not always the case. Sure. We've promoted the wrong person before. We've bought some stores that didn't work out. Uh, so sometimes, even doing everything that I just described, you still wish you'd made a different choice. And that's certainly uh, happened to me. Recently, we purchased those stores in um, in Louisiana and in Mississippi. And, um, you know, that was a months-long process. And uh, when we started down that road, you know, frequently, because that's his area of one of his areas of focus, you know, J. Max Van Hoos was contacted by, it's really a broker called the Food Partners who specialize in the grocery industry. And really, they specialize in selling grocery stores. Uh, and so the, the Loy family had contracted with them in order to market their stores across the country. And uh, they sent uh, just a little brief synopsis of information to J-Max. And he came into my office and he, he said, Kim, you know, I've, I've been contacted by the food partners and they have some stores for sale in uh, Louisiana and Mississippi and they want to know if we'll have any interest in it. And I said, well, and, you know, we have to, when we enter at least even into the investigative part of an agreement with them, we, we have to sign a non-disclosure sure. agreement, right. which basically means only the essential people in our organization, the ones that are essential in making the decision will be privy to the information they're about to share with us because they don't want that information getting out. Uh, You know, they don't want their employees to find out that they're thinking about selling the company because, you know, that would obviously cause a lot of uh, unrest and anxiety among their employees, and they don't want to do that until they're really sure this is going to happen. And so we signed that non-disclosure, and then they start sending us information. And it's a lot of information, and and I'm it, sure it is. <laughs> and and it takes it takes a, a long time to get all of that information together and to digest it. And and Jim uh, and uh, J Max do most of the legwork on that. That makes sense. And then J Max and I we made the trip down there, and and again this is all secret. Their employees didn't know the the stores were for sale, but we kind of had to go through those markets and through those stores and evaluate this whole area of the country that we're not familiar with to look and get a feel for it to see whether or not we thought, can we make this work and uh, will it be successful? And and so each of us made those trips and, and went through the stores. We came back together and, and this time we involved uh, our vice president's uh, they also made trips down and looked at the stores because this was a big deal going to a different area, uh, an area that none of us were familiar with. And so we wanted to get as much input as we could before uh, we decided to go forward with that decision. And all of this takes a lot of time. Is the equipment running? Is it leaking? A ton of things that, that we have to consider because we have to quantify it all and and put it into 
some uh, financial spreadsheets that Jim Mance has created that help us determine what are we going to offer for these stores. J-Mac suggested to me that he thought it would be good for us to meet the owners. I mean, to that point, we had only been talking to this broker, the food partners. Uh, we had not, the owners didn't know us. We didn't know them. And so, uh, J-Max and I made another trip and met with the owners. And honestly, Barry and Jeff Loy, we hit it off with them. They were, you know, similar, uh, and, and we related well to them. And I think ultimately, and, and they would, they told their folks this, it was that meeting when they decided we're going to sell the harps. Wow. Mainly because we like these guys, we think our values are similar, uh, and we yep. think we think they're gonna they're gonna treat our people in a very similar way to the way we treated them. That was the deciding factor. Lots and lots of work when you're making an acquisition uh, go into that process, and we try to involve uh, as many folks in that decision making as we can because you're getting ready to spend millions of dollars. And you want you want that to be a wise investment. Of course, with us being employee owned, of course, you know we want we want it to be a profitable venture, and we know that you've got that on your heart for sure. There's no a, doubt about that. A good decision uh, should result in our stock price going up, and, and you know, and, and you just think about a decision like this, and uh, our stock just went up twenty two percent, I think. And I'm always thinking about, well, how are we going to get the next twenty two percent? You know, it's not automatic. Uh, we got to do something. And and so, you know, even as we're culminating that, we're thinking about, okay, what do we got to do now? Uh, because we know to keep the stock price increasing, we have to continue to grow. We have to continue to not only increase sales but increase profits, and and that means. Um, we've got to constantly uh, be looking for ways to make that happen. And, uh, and and if we make the right decision, we've seen it can happen. Sure. And, and we, can, we can replicate that year after year. Uh, but it's a little bit sometimes maybe like winning a national championship. And you think, well, that was really good. And then the next year arrives and, and you realize, man, this is really hard. To be able to do it, you're not really defending anything. You're, you know, doing something new and fresh. I get that, you know, and so that's, uh, yeah, because it could easily be the next year. It could be eight and four instead of twelve and zero. Oh, you know, that kind of thing. That's right. And and if we pick a, let's just say, because because the the people that do our valuation, they look at things like return on investment. So if we if we pick something, and let's just say there is no return on investment, that could cause our stock to go down. Sure. Sure. Now, if it were just one store, that might not be significant enough to cause that to happen because we might be able to overcome it with the other stores. But if we're buying 20 stores or 30 stores, a bad miss could cause the stock price to decrease. Sure, sure. Uh, and and uh, while we know internally, stock does not just keep going up every year and you never have a down year. We've been blessed that that has been the case with us except for one year. But the truth is, it could go down one year. Sure. sure. Uh, but our decision-making plays a vital role in whether our stock goes up or down. Yeah, I'm sure, of course, that, that's obvious, you know what I mean? And so, But making the decisions that obviously have been made over the last even three or four years, especially the last three years, it, it has been significant for us. I mean, significant, and it's been a... Real good thing to see how how many people have just been 
I don't know if, if surprised is the right word, but have just been elated, I guess, with what's happened in their accounts just because of the decisions that you and, and the exec team mostly and the VPs have made. And so it, it's made a big difference for us, and, it, and this is a good thing. And uh, there's no reason. You know, like you said, sometimes you may miss every once in a while, but from what I can tell, and I've only been around for about half a dozen years now, but I, there hasn't been many misses. You know, I mean, there's been a lot more hits than there's been misses. And so, uh, you know, that's a great thing, you know, for our company. Uh, I think the food partners, uh, the broker that sells stores all across the country, I think they're kind of a fan of Harps. They know we're really, really thorough. Yeah. And we're going to do our due diligence. We're going to do our homework. And, and sometimes that makes it harder for the owner and it makes it harder for them because we want to dot every I and cross every T, and that can be tedious. Sure. It's tedious for us, and we ask for lots of information from them. Many times the owner finds out stuff about their own company that they didn't even know. Hmm. Interesting. In this process. Um, you know, one of the thing, concerns we always have is, do they own all their equipment? Is any of it leased? And, and we ask that in the preliminary talks and most of the time they'll no, I own it all. And then as we go through the due diligence process, they'll come up and they'll say, you know, I got this equipment in this store in this town that we're actually leasing that equipment. <laughs> uh, sometimes they forget. And when they're having to put it down, uh, they remember, well, we thought our offer included the equipment. So now we're going to say, well, we're going to have to back off the cost of that equipment from that offer we gave you. Right, right. Uh, so uh, we're really thorough, but I, I think we also have the reputation for being really honest. We're thorough because we want all the cards to be on the table. Right. That goes back to the, the uncompromising ethics value that we have. You know, and we, like when we do acquisitions and I go down, I, I camp on that for a while, on that particular, you know, value for the simple fact that, yeah, we are going to be, upfront. We're going to be honest. What we say we're going to do, that's exactly what we're going to do. And, you know, you would think that, you know, future opportunities with uh, food partners, you know, because of our good reputation that's been built over the years, they'd bring you better deals as well to look at, you know what I mean? And, and say, you know, this one's got, you know, genuine upside for sure. So, I mean, that's a good, that's a good thing as well. Really good. Well, I, I was going to touch on promotions. I know we're a little long on time. It's okay. Okay. Well, uh, you know, when it comes to promotions, there's a there's a really sensitive area because it always comes down on promotions to where, okay, we've got, uh, sometimes we may have a half a dozen people. Sometimes it's just two, two people. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, the very fact that we're considering them for a promotion means they're good people. And they're people that we believe in. They're people that we've got a lot of trust in. And suddenly, we got to choose one of them, knowing that the others are all going to be disappointed. And it's one of the most agonizing things that I do is, is trying to decide who's going to get that spot. And as you know, I, I consult with lots of people on that. If, if they've been through the leadership training courses i'll consult with you you sometimes produce some reports for me and yes. and some of the exams i look at at various leadership exams and 
uh, other tests that we've given them over time. Uh, I get lots of input from if they have supervisors from those supervisors. I may even get input from the people they supervise because, you know, a lot of our management team gets evaluated. You know, all of the the district managers, for instance, get evaluated uh, by their store managers every year. And, and, and so I, I try to get as much input as I can because I think you're getting ready to put somebody in a leadership role. They're going to have supervision responsibilities over lots of people. They have to be the right person. And, and, and it goes beyond just do they have the technical ability to do the job, but is do they have the right character to do the job? Is their character going to help facilitate our culture and be a positive impact on the people they come in contact with? Or are they kind of a Debbie Downer kind of personality? I can just tell you, if they are, they might be able to execute and perform at a very high level, but their attitude is wrong. And that will, you know, you can't pick that person. Right. And then there's the delicate part of, I got to tell them now, you know, I've got to call the one person up. That's an easy call and say, you got the job. And then the other folks, we've got to let know you didn't get the job. That's the part I hate. Sure. Of course. But, you know, it's, it's critically important. I agonize sometimes over those decisions for days, if not weeks, uh, because you, you really want to make the right choice. You consider how each possibility is going to impact others. Well, you might know that when I pick this person, this other person could quit yep. and leave us. Right. And when I, I tell each of them, I'm hopefully doing it in as positive a way as I can, uh, hoping that that doesn't happen. Yeah, because like you said earlier, they're, they were a candidate, so there's they are someone who's definitely adding value to our company and contributing and so that's or they wouldn't even be considered so that's certainly understandable that you want to keep them but it, you know, I can put myself in your shoes real fast and realize yeah those conversations can be hard and difficult you know but it's part of the decision making process you know it, it comes with the territory you know? it does yeah it does. it does. And 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 the last thing that I had down as far as decision making is because I know it's something that the stores wonder about is, well, which stores are you going to remodel? Oh, okay. Uh, and, you know, occasionally in the leadership meetings, I get that question. That's true. And it's, it's a little hard to explain, but, you know, remodels have gotten increasingly expensive. It, you know, it's not unusual to spend 2 or $3 million sure. uh, on a remodel. Yeah. And we used to spend maybe three or four million dollars on a brand new store, and so it, it's expensive. And we always look at at return on investment on that. And we have some communities that are growing communities and areas that are growing maybe within a larger community. And and you think, well, we've got additional business we could pick up there, but we need a a bigger store. Uh, we need a a better looking store because our store is tired. But we think gosh, if we do this, we might pick up 10, 20% in sales now. And because it's growing, we're going to pick up additional sales over the next 10 years, maybe. That's going to make that a really easy choice for us to make. By the same token, we have stores in areas that are shrinking. And those are the hard ones because sometimes you think, man, we really need to spend some money in this store. And yet you think, but if I look down, we're going to spend $2 million and sales are going to decrease for the foreseeable future because the population is going down. Right. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to envision any way you're going to get any sales growth 
because the population is decreasing, then that makes that a real difficult spend to make. Instead, you might go in and paint it, do the stuff you have to do, but not really spend a great deal of money that makes a big impact on the appearance of the store. And we have some of those out there. And the difference is we don't have unlimited money. We have a finite amount of money. And our responsibility, again, in spending that money is to do it in a way to get the best return on investment, which ultimately has an impact on our stock price and driving our stock price, driving values to our shareholders, who in our case are our employees. That's what my job is. Yes. Yeah, it is, (laughs) but you're doing a great job and, uh, it's been quite evident. Uh, you know, it's been what, 2016, is that when you became the CEO? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And, and, and since I've been here, it's obviously look what's happened in our company and it's just been, uh, such a positive thing. And so just thanks for being here. Thanks for being here today to just to give us your insight and, and the process that you work through. Um, it, it is making a positive difference, and we all appreciate it. And, and we look forward to future podcasts. And, you know, I'll, I'll ask you, say, hey, do you want to do this one or do you want to do that? You know, that kind of thing. We'll let you uh, decide on which ones that you want to do. But uh, thanks for being here for our first one. Uh, we really appreciate it. So we appreciate you being here, Kim, for sure. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bob. I'm, right. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Hey, and for those of you who are still with us, and uh, I'm assuming everybody is, we just want to thank you for being here and uh, in our Harps Learning You podcast and uh, encourage you to tune in next month. Our underlying theme for next month is going to be, or the principle is going to be uh, achieve personal significance. And so we look forward to that. And uh, thank you for being with us. And and uh, check below here on the description and and. Be sure to check in often in our Hometown Fresh podcast and the Harps Learning You channel. So we appreciate y'all being here. Thanks, and we'll see you next month.